0: Future Construct. I'm Mark Oden, the CEO of BIM Designs Inc. Uh, we have a special episode today at Geo Week 2023 in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I'd love to introduce our first guest of the week, Karush Langeri, uh, project engineer with Caltrain's. Uh, Karush, I'd love to hear about your um, your, your position with Caltrain's. I'd love to hear about your history, how you got into Caltrain's. Um, let's start there. How did you end up at Sure. Caltrans? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, yes, I uh, actually uh, went to school in Oklahoma State University and University of Oklahoma in the 80s. And then uh, I went to Berkeley, I think back in 84, and I fell in love with Bay Area. So when I got a job offer from Caltrans to go to Northern California, I choose that, chose that back then. And I started working at Caltrans back in 87. And in 2008, uh, I went to private sector and worked for URS and Acom And now I'm back at Caltrans, you know, finishing my tenure. Uh, I'm working as a project engineer, uh, delivering infrastructure
0: projects, for a variety of projects in San Francisco Bay Area. Wonderful, yeah, what, a, what an amazing career uh, that you've had, uh, especially to be working with Caltrain's and to have the transition of public and private sector. Sure, That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I too love the Bay Area, so uh, yeah, that's um, just a fantastic place. Um, We'd love to hear, um, in, in your experience with Caltrans, um, just, some, just to put things into, into scale or scope for our listeners, um, how, how big is Caltrans, uh, how many miles of coverage, and uh, maybe uh, a, a budget size, you know, just topics to help uh, understand yes. the size of Caltrans.
1: California Department of Transportation is one of the largest DOT in the nation. We roughly have uh, up to, you know, seventeen to 18,000 employees across uh, 12 different districts. Uh, So, and the beauty of California Department of Transportation is we sort of handle all sort of terrain. We got from really high altitude, you know, in Northern uh, California, in Redding, and Tahoe, and then we got, you know, in Fresno, we got, you know, know, Plains, and, and then we got metropolitan areas. So it's a really nice sandbox for a project engineer to be able to handle different type of projects with different type of topologies, so it's really exciting.
0: Very cool. And so, speaking of uh, speaking of the different topologies and the different climates, uh, uh, here at GeoWeek, it's a big focus on uh, on, on LiDAR and topology scanning and, and, and BIM. Um, so, uh, what, it, what? How does Caltrain's integrate technology uh, into the performance of their
1: service? Yes, California Department of Transportation, uh, we also partner with FHWA and ASHDO, which are a national organization. And as a matter of fact, all the 50 DOTs, we sort of have a partnership that we're always looking forward for new innovation to bring efficiencies to our workflow. And so we can spend taxpayers' money more efficiently and deliver better, uh, you know, better service to our commuters. So innovation is one of the pillars of our organization, and we actually have a, a division of research that's set up in headquarters. And we go out there. and We have you know uh, annual conferences, and we also uh, partner with uh, UC system, University of California, and California State Universities. Do a lot of research with Fresno State, UC Davis, UC Berkeley. Trying transportation centers. So, again, we're always looking forward, you know, uh, bringing new ideas and changing our workflow. Wonderful. And
0: and you have a presentation here at GeoWeek this year. What's your presentation? I do.
1: I do. We have a presentation on Tuesday. It's uh, been for infrastructure and common data environment. And we essentially uh, brought a panel of, uh, you know, private sector uh, consultants and software vendors together to sort of discuss the digital ecosystem to allow... You know, multi-discipline engineering projects uh, uh, be sort of using the same ecosystem, digital ecosystem in a common data environment. Uh, with big software companies like Esri, uh, Bentley, uh, Autodesk, and Trimble. So, so that's the, sort of the. This, the tip of the spear for this technology moving forward for the next couple of years.
0: So you're working very closely on the exportability of the data and the portability of that data.
1: Exactly. And one of the challenges that was facing our industry was that for past 20 years or so, we've been sort of dealing with a data exchange file formats. So every time you transfer these or translate these data set, you lose data. So the whole idea is to start establishing common data environments and common data formats that all the different vendors can plug into. So for past five years or so, we've been sort of delivering our digital data to the construction using Land XML file format that we're starting to transition to IFC file format, IFC 2.3 and pretty soon I think the schema for IFC 4.3 will come out and we're going to transition to that. And the beauty of the IFC format is there's no data loss. So you can get all the detail that you put together during the design and you can you know, pass it along to the construction so this way you have a lot more efficient uh, construction phase and you can eliminate a lot of the potential contract change orders or requests for information during the construction.
0: Well, thank you for your leadership there. The industry needs leadership in, in requesting that uh, common portability of data. And yes. so it's wonderful that Caltrans and California DOT is behind that. Um, what do you see as some of the major challenges for Caltrans in the next few years?
1: Yeah, and, and again, these challenges challenging our industry, not just focused on Caltrans, I think across the board, both private sector and public sector. Some of the challenges are going to be uh, uh, making sure that there's enough expertise in the project units that are delivering these projects to understand all the intricacies that goes with delivering these type of projects. So the project engineers role if you take a look at the legacy to now is sort of changing because now everything's data driven so a project engineers should have the ability to understand some IT some of the you know database requirements understanding networking understanding how to manage the data uh, you know so some of the digital administrative tools that's required for the project engineers so I think that's one of the challenges making sure the expertise is out there the second thing is as I said, Trying to eliminate those data exchange file formats and to go to a more binary uh, file formats so we have no data loss. Uh, and again, obviously, funding to make sure that as you go forward, there's enough resources available because. When you shift from legacy to BIM for infrastructure, initially you have to spend more resources to deliver that 3D parametric model, but when you have that model, any subsequent change is going to be much more efficient. Mm-hmm. So just understanding that you know, resource balancing moving forward, I think that's one of the key challenges.
0: Yeah, that's a really great point about um, how if you have the model, it will help in the future and it will help reduce costs in the future even though there's an up- upfront investment. I think it's incredible that Caltrans sees, sees that. Um, how, how do you- how do, you, how do you convey the ROI, um, whether it be internally to Caltrans or to larger organizations? How do you how do you help organizations see the ROI behind?
1: Yeah, ROI? so return on investment that's a key issue because that's one of those things that you have to go to the management and actually make a case that using this new workflow you're actually going to have a good R- ROI and uh, right now we're actually taking a, a page from the European community because the European community they you know legislated about 5 10 years ago adopting BIM for infrastructure so if you take a look at some of the projects that mega projects has been delivered in Europe they usually have a 20 to 25% less resources required using this new format so nationally in the US this BIM for horizontal infrastructure is still picking up. So we can rely on some of the study that was done in Europe. At the same time, we're starting to look at some of our own uh, requirements because, again, uh, U.S. Uh, picture is a little more complicated because you've got 50 DOTs and you know slightly different type of standards and also understanding the requirements for digital twin and as builds and moving forward and making sure that we also align with the federal requirements. <laughs> So we're still working on some of the detail to making sure there's appropriate legislation you know, being served across all the 50 states so we can make this sort of a main, mainstream industry moving forward.
0: Wonderful. Um, looking to the future and, and, and wrapping up a little, um, some of the technologies you've been learning about in the past few months and certainly here at GeoWeek uh, that you will be learning about, um, how, how do you see, um, which technologies do you see Caltrain's most interested in?
1: Yeah, so some of the technology that's key for us is the traditional approach to developing digital terrain model was that you use one software and you produce one method, and that's your DTM. Moving forward, you're going to see a lot more fusion or mashing of DTM that's coming from different, you know, data collection methods. So, for example, more and more you can see that we're starting to combine conventional survey with mobile terrestrial scanning, with stationary scanning, unmanned aerial system, and we're mashing it all together and producing one combined model. And by doing that, you're optimizing the surveying cost and you're also optimizing the model that you're putting together. And also moving forward for the, you know, the, the new design i we're starting to adopt uh, ISO 19650 standards, uh, which was developed at Penn State and also worked on at Stanford University. And ISO 19650 standard allows you to establish a project information model and then move that model across various phases of the project as you get into the asset information model, which is the last phase, and you actually produce the digital as-built. So moving forward, I think those are the key areas in future, at least in the next two to
0: three years, that we'll be concentrated. On and looking at it. and and you mentioned the as-built, which is just as important as the model itself. So, um, how is Caltrans investing in the as-built?
1: Yeah, so the as-built industry. I mean, traditionally, uh, when the construction was done, the resident engineer used to redline, you know, the plans, and then the plans came back to the CAD office, and they went back and did the digital as-built, and that process usually took a year to year and a half. Now, moving forward, the digital twin is sort of. The goal is to develop that within a couple of months after the facility is built and usually the owner is going to be both on the contractor and on the owner to as soon as the roadway or the bridge is built that you go out there and start scanning it and then you start doing some extraction of some of the key features and, you know into vector data and then start adding additional attributes such as you know, asset-related attributes such as, you know, the, the, the quality of the member, uh, who put it together, you know, the date, you know, some of the other attributes that goes into the Federal Highway Administration requirements. So, again, the specification, the standard for digital as-built, it's sort of being written right now by the industry. So, hopefully, we can solidify some of those standards in the next, you know, 6 to 12 months and start looking at some proof of concept. Oh, that'd be amazing.
0: Yes. Well, I love the care that you bring to uh, standardization, the care that you bring to Caltrans, and the care that Caltrans has in adopting technology. I think it's incredible. Uh, I'm I'm proud to be with you today and thank you so much, Karush, uh, for your time and good luck uh, at your presentation. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Future Construct. I'm Mark Oden, the CEO of Dem Designs Incorporated, and we're here at Geo Week 2023 in Denver, Colorado. I'm here with Douglas Dunrude, uh, Vice President and Technical Principal at WSP USA. Uh, th- thank you and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, Douglas, I'd love to start with uh, where, did you, where did your career start and how did you end up um, uh, navigating to WSP and becoming Vice President there?
2: Well, I graduated uh, in 1987 from Colorado State University. So I, I started my career with Caltrans mm-hmm. uh, and I worked my up, way up to a, a, um, a branch chief in structures design. So yeah, I had a 30-year career with Caltrans, I did a lot of different things, including some uh, building design and structure construction, which was fun. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, start, I was in charge of a branch, design branch, for the last 10 years of my career with Caltrans. So I led uh, a team of about 13 engineers and detailers, designing um, and uh, producing plans and, for, and quantities for uh, projects, various projects, so it was, uh, it was really interesting. But my, my uh, kind of secret uh, or my passion was for BIM, using BIM to deliver projects more effectively, basically. So uh in, ni- in 2018 I uh joined WSP. I retired from Caltrans after 30 years and then joined WSP which is an engineering consultant mm-hmm. one of the biggest in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, I've been doing uh BIM for in- infrastructures basically for the last 5 years with WSP. Um the last couple of years I've been working on a huge project in on I5 between Oregon and Washington. It's called the Interstate bridge replacement project. Wow. So it's about six billion dollar project. It's huge. That is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they'll be up to you know more of forty to fifty bridges on that project. So that's incredible. Yeah, and, and the nice yeah. thing is that uh, it requires a, a di- the delivery of a digital twin. So we're doing everything on this project model centric, mm-hmm. which is the way I've been wanting to do it. <laughs> For the last dozen years yeah so instead of producing like cad drawings or independent bridge analysis we're doing everything based on on 3d models and we're tying everything into the you know the geospatial um we have a lidar scan for the whole project so we're tying everything in so it's it's actually the way in my opinion projects should be done
0: Sure, sure. That's an uh, amazing story, and I mean, to to implement, sounds like you were a huge adopter of BIM or bringing in BIM into Caltrans. You and your team, uh, and 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 now you're able to expand that above and beyond the scope of Caltrans to uh, to to the world of WSP and well, I the think, world of infrastructure. Yeah,
2: I think you know DOTS are kind of bureaucracies, so they move a little slower. Uh, with WSP, I've really experienced being able to uh,
0: move a lot more quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So, um, so can you drive into some of the use cases, especially how you're you're using the modeling component of BIM into this? You said it's thirty bridges.
2: Well, over forty, over Close, 40. maybe uh, fifty or more bridges. Oh, wow,
0: incredible. Yeah. Um, and 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 this conference, especially at GeoWeek, we're we're focused on on BIM and, and, and GIS, and so it sounds like you're using both of those components uh, to to model out this entire infrastructure. Yeah. Um, that's that's incredible, and and you have a lot of um, uh, from from what I understand, you have a lot of experience in working with the the, the tool providers like uh, like Bentley and CAD. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, could you share a little bit about your experience and how you how you help influence the, the tools and technologies that the market sees?
2: Yeah. So, I, when I was with Caltrans, um, Caltrans was using Civil Three D as its roadway design software, and you know my group kind of specialized in in using that the way I thought it should be. Uh, Now with WSP, we're really kind of flexible. Whatever the client uses, we use. So for that interstate bridge replacement, I'll just say IBR, Mm -hmm. uh, we're using Bentley. Mm -hmm. So we're using their open road software, and we're using ProjectWise to manage all the files. So really, uh, we have a repository where all the files reside, and everything is geospatially located. So we have the survey data. We have the... uh, all the utilities, uh, yeah, the roadways, so uh, yeah, I'm building the bridges in the same environment as everything else. And what are some of the major challenges that
0: you're facing in building them in this virtual environment?
2: Well, that's kind of a political thing. It's really the decision makers, Mm. they haven't honed in on a solution. Mm -hmm. So we can't really go ahead of the, the pol- you know, <laughs> political <laughs> decisions that need to be made. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, you know, how many lanes? Mm-hmm. We're, we're still, talk- after two years of working on it, we still haven't
0: decided on exactly how many lanes there's gonna mm-hmm. be. And does the, uh, does the technology that you're implementing help the decision makers yeah. uh, in that decision process? So yeah. through simulations perhaps?
2: Well, a lot of it is visualization, mm-hmm. right, and cost estimates. Mm-hmm. So it always seems like that's, you know, some kind of allow people to kind of experience in advance what it's going to be like to, uh, you know, have a new structure there, right. and then what is the cost associated with that. Mm-hmm. So the the big thing, and and that's why I'm really glad we're doing it this way. Is you want to model everything, uh, what we call parametrically, another it has parameters, mm-hmm. like a bridge width is a parameter. Mm-hmm. So we wanna be able to modify those very quickly and easily rather than going back to the drawing board mm-hmm. and starting all over.
0: Right, so um, so there may be, uh, for the DOT, there may be an upfront cost of understanding the visualization of this, uh, but long term, there's the potential of saving them, of making, a, making the wrong lane number choice, or um, you know, uh, installing, uh, installing in the wrong location or vicinity. You, uh, is that is that right? You're helping them sort of understand all the possible outcomes
2: before yeah, think, construction starts. I think it's kind of an education process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're kind of educating them all the way through, so it is a little bit more upfront cost, you might say, to model everything. And we're dealing with that even with on cost estimates now, um, because we've modeled everything. We can get all the costs from the models, and it, it might have taken more than just doing a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm on the first rounds. But when you get into the more detailed estimates, our models will provide all of that. Mm-hmm. And we can divide it up into the different contracts that they're gonna be doing. So, yeah, I think you know everyone's starting to see the advantages of do, doing things on, on model-based workflows.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, and I love to see that in your career. You've been so influential and you've been uh, understanding and digesting them, but also influential in them. And then here is, like you said, this is the, 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 an ultimate project to, with you know 50 plus bridges, big civil project to be able to uh, do it how it should be done. Um, so I'd love to see if that uh, you know if that starts to influence standards or starts to influence the, the the community, the construction community in any way to to look at this as a great case study. Yeah. Um, so moving on to, to speaking a little bit about uh, uh, Bentley and, um, and, and sort of the agnostic approach that WSP is taking to software because you're choosing it based on what the clients um, what the clients want and it's very relatable for our company as well So I'm curious how do you approach um, the, the training component um, when you're when you're moving from uh, let's say civil 3d to, to Bentley for example
2: Yeah so I mean training is actually part of my presentation this morning was on training because <laughs> the first question um, on training is, who pays for the training? Right, right. So if it's a big project, you, like on the IBR, we did the training on some of the Bentley products as part of the contract. Mm-hmm. But if it's a smaller contract, you have to basically do that on overhead the training. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's kind of a challenge is, you know, the whole whole thing of use it or lose it. Right. You could get trained, but if you don't use it for a year, how well mm-hmm. are you going to be able to use it in a year? Right. So we're kind of focused on. Um, you know, having the training that you need right when you need it, like right-in-time training, mm-hmm. and then also have a repository of all those trainings. Mm-hmm. So I think we've done that with all the Bentley trainings that we have. We've recorded them all, and they're all available to everyone on the team.
0: From a, Also from a technology side, um, I've always been impressed that Bentley has an open approach. Um, have you seen an impact uh, in your project uh, compared to CAD, uh, seeing Bentley have a, an open API access or open open software access? Has your team adopted and used that?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean we're trying to do everything um, open and we're not using only Bentley products and I'm actually pretty impressed that Bentley is not like fighting us when we're using some other software, we're using <laughs> some Autodesk software, we're using uh, um, open source programs mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, the, we're so- storing everything on project-wise. So I think there is that idea that you know everybody knows not Everything in the world is going to be designed using their software. It's going, pieces are going to come from different directions, right, and we have to be able to you know, fit them all together mm-hmm. and that, actually that's part of you know, what I like about this week is if you geospatially position everything correctly, it doesn't really matter how it was created, right It all fits together, just like things in the real mm-hmm. world fit
0: together. Mm-hmm yeah i' um, I've spoken with a few uh, a few guests about how important location is, and it sounds like you're bringing uh, you're bringing location into this uh, into this project as well yeah that's
2: one of my you know and ask anyone that's one mm-hmm. of my pet peeves is mm-hmm. a lot of times bridges are separated from the geospatial realm mm-hmm. so a lot of the team members will work in the same geospatial space, but bridges kind of do their own thing mm-hmm. but i, I that's one thing I don't feel like we, we should do as, as a bridge industry, a infrastructure. It, mm-hmm. it needs to reside in that same space. And you know, it's, even you look at things on Google Earth, it should, you should see, be able to see your structure in, in, in Google Earth in the context of the, the site. Right?
0: Very cool. Um, so you had mentioned your presentation at GeoWeek this week. Could you tell us a little bit about what that presentation was and some key takeaways? Yeah, so I, I, my friend from uh, Caltrans, Lingari,
2: mm-hmm. he invited me yeah, to kind of re- to, to present the bridge side. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we, we did the whole BIM for infrastructure, and uh, I represented the bridge side. Mm-hmm. So I really work uh, like a subset of the whole uh, roadway infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm one I'm a strong proponent of doing everything model based. Mm-hmm. Uh, And of course those models are geospatially located. So, and then I'm kind of pushing the envelope of using the bridge models uh, further downstream for construction, fabrication, and then I think a huge thing is gonna be the uh, asset management models. I mean, a bridge gets built, but it's around for a hundred years. And, you know, right now you have paper as-builds. They're stored electronically, but they're paper as built. So it's just like reading a plan a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. But now we should have alongside, I'm not saying get rid of paper as-builds, sure. but alongside of that have a model mm-hmm. that, you know, future people that touch that project, maybe widen that bridge or whatever, they, they have access to that model. And inspectors, if they, you know, are, are inspecting the concrete or the mm-hmm. girders, They can, they can attribute those uh, comments to his geospatial location on the on the model. Mm -hmm. You don't have to look in the index. You know, which where to find that comment. Mm -hmm. It's tagged. It should be tagged to the model, right?
0: Uh, That's wonderful. And uh, what other takeaways do you have from GeoWeek this week?
2: Well, it's just uh, I. You know, this is my first time here.
0: I've never been here, and then I come and
2: speak. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty impressed. A lot of people are super passionate mm-hmm. and you go to the expo you know, and you see drones all over the place, right. so
0: there's a lot of cool stuff here. Yeah, it's amazing technology between the scanning and the drones and the aerial, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for some insights into your background and, and some insights into your philosophies. I'm really excited to see how this project uh, that you're working on uh, continues and I would really love to see that as a case study at a, maybe a future GeoWeek conference.
2: Yeah, I, I would love to. Right now everything's confidential so I can't share anything, but I'm sure you know, if not next year, the year after, I think we'll be able to share everything. Cool, I look forward to it. Thank you Douglas so much. Of course, thank you.